Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. Good morning, everybody. Good to be here this morning. I love being in church, and it's great to be here today. I believe God's got something good for us today. God likes to take us from, from glory to glory and from one place to the next. So the big key in life is keep going forward. Wherever you are in life, whatever obstacles you feel like you're facing, just keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward. God's answers are in front of you. God's answers are in the path of faith, and your, your key is to keep developing, keep growing. It's interesting when you read about the story of Abraham. Abraham had so many obstacles in life, and things took so long. You know, what was it, like 25 years before his miracle came? And then even beyond that, he, God wasn't even nearly finished with him then either. But think about that, that the journey of faith, of him having to overcome, of the times when he was discouraged and he had to believe God in the middle of his discouragement, at times when it looked like the promise of God wasn't real for him, but he kept holding on to it. You see, that's how God develops our faith is he allows us to be in situations where it looks like he's not coming through. And that's when we make a decision, wait a minute. I'm going to go deeper. I'm not going to give up and say God doesn't work I'm, I, because I know he's true. And so what happens? We go deeper in our faith. We remember what he said and we begin to push out more and more of the doubts that we discover have actually been the, what's been pulling us down. So I want to encourage you today, uh, rise up in more and more faith, more and more trust in God. Keep going forward and allow God to expose and remove any doubts that, he might, that you might have in your heart because of what you've been through in life, because of the long wait you've had to go through, because of different trials and ordeals that you've experienced in life. Let me encourage you today. Take your eyes off of that. Put your eyes on Jesus. Put your eyes on the everlasting God who created the heavens and the earth with whom nothing is impossible, who says that to you, not to just say, oh, maybe it'll happen. No, what he means is, if you believe, yes, it shall be done, right? So God's pulling us all to a new place of faith. He's pulling us to a new place of believing. He's not really rebuking um, every, uh, you know, us in the sense that you know, we've, we've been doing something wrong. But what does he do? He's always teaching us new things, bringing us into new levels. We're going from one place of faith to another place of faith, from one place of experience to another place of experience. Amen. Amen. So this is, that's just what this is all about. That's what this is all about. Now, we've been talking about different miracle kind of experiences in the Word. And um, I just want to mention one today that I think is really a, a powerful story of an experience of in the um, with miracles which came through the life of Naaman. Uh, so we're going to look at the story of Naaman today. And in the New Testament, Jesus actually highlights this story as a very important story to learn from. So Jesus is giving his first message that that's recorded. And it's in Luke chapter 4. And, um, you know, he's, he's come out of this temptations. He's come out of the wilderness. He's had that experience. And then he's, he's there and he's gone back to his hometown. And, and he, he's in 
we'll just call it church service. But he's in service that day. And what he does is he takes the Bible, the scroll, what, what he's given to read that day. And he, he reads, the Spirit of the Lord's on me. God's upon me. Now this is written, and it's a, it's a scripture. So he's reading it as it's written, but it sounds, it, it, you know, it, there's something different about it, the way it's coming out that day, right? So they can tell there's something different about it because he's going, I am anointed to do this. I'm anointed to preach the gospel, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, etc., um, etc., et to do all these great things. So they're going, wow, something's really powerful about that. And then, then he goes, today this scripture is being fulfilled in your hearing. Now, I think it's interesting that all we know right now is he's read scriptures. That's so interesting to me. He just read scriptures. And it says, these are going, they bore witness, it says to him, and marveled at his gracious words. What did he do? He read scriptures. Are you, y'all see what I'm saying? But there was something that was communicated in his reading the scriptures of the day that they saw was different. And they said, man, uh, who is this? Look at his gracious words that came out of his mouth. Isn't this Joseph's son? I mean, and then Jesus takes a little turn <laughs> and he goes, surely, I mean, it looks like they're praising him, right? And then he goes, surely you're going to say this to me one day, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we've heard done in Capernaum, why don't you do that here? And then he goes, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But there were, listen to this. He says, I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up, meaning no rain, for three years and six months. And there was a great famine. There were many widows in Israel, but Elijah was only sent to one person. And that was a woman who wasn't even an Israelite in the region of Sidon. And there were many lepers in Israel, in the time of Elisha, the prophet. And none of them were cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. And so all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, they were filled with wrath. Um, they rose up and threw them out of the city. I mean, thrust them out of the city. I think that, I mean, what a picture there. Jesus just preached his first message. I mean, and then they're excited. But then he says something they don't like. It's interesting how Jesus had the capacity to do that, right? And he didn't mind doing that. Now, today, if, if a preacher is preaching and they want to throw him out of the church that day, he probably will feel like he did a bad job, right? Anyway, so they take Jesus. They try to cast him out of the city is first, the first message that he's preached in that church or probably in any, it was a synagogue. Um, and anyway, so, so um, they rose up to thrust him out and they were going to uh, throw him over a cliff. Is that not the craziest thing ever? 
They're like praising him. Oh, what gracious words. Oh, this. And then God, then he says something to them they didn't like, and they want to kill him. That's really interesting to me. It reminded me a little bit when I was thinking of this story. I think it was the first time I had preached after I got saved. Um, I didn't want to preach because I, you know, I was sort of shy and I didn't want to speak in public. That's like my, my greatest fear. I went to a college and I, I graduated in business and um, I had to have, I had to have a public speaking class and speak in public before I graduated. I had to have that class to graduate. Oh, I couldn't stand the thoughts of doing that. You know, it was like, oh no, I can't believe I have to do that. I just couldn't imagine standing up. So I had a class of 10 people. I found the right class to get it. It was international business. And I had to do a speech in that class. And I couldn't wait till it was over. Anyway, um, it wasn't the best grade I ever received. And I'll tell you that too. But anyway, I got saved and I began to realize and begin to feel, I think I'm supposed to preach. And so I made myself do it, even though my flesh didn't want to do it. I made myself go do it. I made myself start talking about God because I thought I'm supposed to be doing this. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, you know, now after I got saved, I got sort of radical. I was telling all my friends that grew up. Now, when I say my friends, I grew up in this little, little town. So we all went to school together. We all went to church together. Right. And so I'm get, I got this understanding of, hey, this serving God is serious business. You need to give everything. I mean, it's a radical thing. It's a, so I was telling my friends about it. People back home were hearing about it. And somehow they invited me to go um, speak in that church. I, get, I don't remember if I was sharing my testimony or what happened. When I got finished, you know, the way you're supposed to do it in that church, you go, you go to the, um, I think maybe you still do this in those little churches. You go to the door and you shake people's hands when they leave, right? <laughs> so I was there and um, one lady, an old, old lady, really old lady comes up to me and she goes something like, young man, I don't care what everybody else is saying about you. I think you're a man of God. <laughs> I said, well, thank you. Oh, interesting. Anyway, it just reminded me about that. But anyway, here's Jesus' first message. He just about gets kicked out. And, you know, what was going on there, um, they got agitated. You know, a lot of times we'll hear good messages. And we like the kind that'll make us, oh, wasn't that a great message? Oh, weren't you so encouraged? Oh, but, but whenever the preacher starts saying things that rub us the wrong way, that get into our lives, that make us want to change, that tell us something's not right with the way you're thinking, with the way you're acting, we can get offended. In fact, we usually don't, we usually don't try to throw the pastor out of the church. What we do in our generation, because there's many churches in town, we just leave the church ourselves and go somewhere else. Some place is not going to make us feel bad. Some place is not going to say things like that that are going to deal with us because we don't want to deal with us, right? So one thing from the outset of this, you know, what we're learning so far is you need to be very, very teachable in life. You need to allow God to tell you things that you don't want to hear because that's how we grow. Every single one of us, if we're going to grow in God, we're going to all hear things we don't like. And if you're always arguing with it, always defending yourself, you're not going to grow. You're going to 
push Jesus out of your life. You got to learn. Listen to what Jesus is teaching me. Don't be offended by it. Grow. Jesus told his disciples many times, you, you guys, hey, you need to grow up in that area. Hey, your thinking's not right there. He would get on them about their faith. Man, what about that time when, when Peter walks on water? Peter walks on water, and then he begins to fall into the water. And Jesus goes, man, I know the way we're taught in this, in this world, and there's nothing wrong with this necessarily, but we're taught to just go, man, you walked on water, yay. What does Jesus could do? He comes up to him, he goes, why'd you doubt? Could you imagine? Man, Jesus told me I doubted today. Man, he's getting on me for doubting. I can't believe he did that. I walked on water. I walked on water. And he goes, why did you doubt? Because he started falling down, right? You know what Peter did? He was jolted by that. And he was going, man, I could have stayed up. Why did I doubt? You see, he's learning. He didn't get offended. He didn't want to kill Jesus because Jesus said something that might have rubbed him the wrong way for a moment. You see what I mean? How about that story last week with the epileptic, where the epileptic, you know, goes down and the disciples hadn't been able to cast it out. And then, hey, Jesus, why couldn't we cast that thing out? Because your faith is so little. Oh, well, thank you. You know what I'm saying? Well, they had their, he's trying to teach them to grow in faith. He wasn't telling them they were in sin. He wasn't telling them that it was evil. He was saying something to help them increase their faith, to grow in their faith. Amen? And then later he goes, if you have faith like a mustard seed, he didn't say the size of a mustard seed, even though that might be what that means. And some translations add it, but he didn't say that. There are various things that could mean, which are very interesting. But I'm not going to get into that today. But that can be something that you study this week. Amen? That's a great thing to study. You should write that down. Anyway, we, always, we need to always be learning and growing. So when Jesus is saying this, when Jesus is said, saying this to them that day, I mean, he's making a huge point about something here with Naaman. And I just look at what he's saying here. There are many people with leprosy in the days of Elijah. Okay? Many people had leprosy. None of them were healed. But Naaman, who was not an Israelite, who did not even know anything hardly at all about God, got healed. Why did that happen? Why did that happen? Now, I bet you there were a lot of theories when that happened about why it happened. I bet there were theories up until the day that Jesus just said this about why that happened. I bet they talked about it. Why do you think that happened? Why did God heal Naaman? And why, didn't, why weren't there any Israelites healed that day? And Jesus answered the question. But I bet you, the, I, I was thinking, what would, what would some of the responses have been why did Naaman get healed? And why didn't the Israelites get healed? Why didn't no lepers in Israel get healed? I could just imagine what they would say. Well, it must not have been God's will. If it had been God's will, then it would have happened. 
How many people say that? If it's God's will, it'll happen. Well, if it's God's will, it should have happened. Jesus should have never rebuked him for it because it was God's will. Do y'all see what I'm saying? No, it's the mystery. It's just a mystery. We never know why God does what God does. God knows in mysterious ways. Some people would have been saying that. Others would have said, you know, I believe God maybe reached out to Naaman because that's the only way he could have gotten him saved was to do a miracle for him. And then there is a theory today, you know, because you hear about miracles happening in other nations that are undeveloped, have never heard the gospel before. You'll hear about miracles happening there. And, and I've heard this many times like, well, God does miracles where there's, where there's been no evidence to, to give evidence that he's true. But if you're already in a place where you've had it, you, you can't expect that. Well, look at what Jesus just, have y'all ever heard that, by the way? Well, it's out there. I'm, I'm, it's out there. All these things are out there. I'm sure you've heard of some of these. So Jesus, in what he explained, nullified every single one of those excuses. Every single one he nullifies. And he explains through what he said that these Israelites not receiving miracles did not have anything to do with God, had nothing to do with God's will, God not being willing, the miracles not being available, them not receiving the miracles had everything to do with them. That's what he's, that's why he's rebuking them, that we're teaching them, however it came out, right? Now, I just think that this is a powerful, powerful story here because Think about this. He is saying miracles were available to all the Israelites, everybody, but not even one single one leper received his miracle. Doesn't that just strike you as crazy? In the days of Elisha, the miracle power, the breakthrough was available to everybody, not just one man from Syria. And Jesus is going, not one single one from Israel got his miracle. I think that's pretty powerful. Now, let me bring it down to what I believe he's trying to teach these people, right? You see, these Jewish lepers should have been the ones to have received first, right? They're the ones who had the law. They're the ones who had all the teachings of Moses. These are things Naaman didn't have. They had the words of the prophets that had gone before them. They had the testimony of Egypt and all of the miracles that God did there. They had the testimony of the Red Sea that opened. They, they were told, recite these miracles over and over and over. Remember what has, God has done in the past and speak them in your homes. 
You, you know, they were told these things that they might benefit from them. They had a head start. <laughs> it really is so interesting. And they had the right doctrines of who God is. I want you to think about that. Naaman did not even hardly know who God was. That is a remarkable thing to me. That's a very remarkable thing. But what was God communicating to these Jews? Don't be like that generation. Learn from that generation. Do not take comfort in the fact that you think you've got all the right doctrines, that you think you've got the right situation, that you sing the right songs. Don't take comfort in that. You need to have more than that. You need to have an experience with God, and you need to be able to recognize where God is, what God's doing in the earth right now, and you need to be able to take a step and go toward what God is doing. And if you'll pay attention to the voice on the inside of you, it will lead you in that direction. Amen? Now, I just think all those lepers in that day, you know, they were praying, God, heal me. Do you not know, even though they'd never seen a miracle like that, do you not know they'd all be praying, God, please do a miracle? Right? But this is, this is another interesting thing. Imagine, they know all these things. They know the right doctrines. Just like the Pharisees knew all the right doctrines, right? They knew all these things. And Jesus sent a gift that represented him. Now, you have to understand a little bit how gifts work. God does call people that are going to represent him in certain ways. Sometimes he calls people, I don't know why he calls them, because I'm going, man, that's messed up, right? But Paul said, cleanse yourself so that you'll be a vessel for honorable use. So God can use you for a special thing he wants to do right? So God uses people to show forth his glory. He does things through people, which is an amazing fact that a lot of people in our generation who are Christians don't like to see it that way. But God does. In fact, this, even, this little girl is going to talk to Naaman. She's going to say, go to Elisha. He will heal you. Now, people today go, oh, Elisha didn't do it. Well, yes, he did with the gift of God that was in him. Do you see what I'm saying? It wasn't Elisha that healed him ultimately as the gift of God, but Elisha, what if he stood in bed and never came out and did anything with this guy? The guy wouldn't have been healed. Do you see what I mean? Is that not true? Anyway, all these people, God heal us, God heal us, God be, do a miracle. God, boom, sends a, a mantle that does miracles. Signs and wonders on Elijah. That mantle, boom, comes upon Elisha. They're doing all kinds of miracles. And then this leper gets healed through Elisha's ministry. And guess what? None of these lepers go, 
wait a minute. Miracles, miracles, miracles. He healed a leper. Wait a minute. Maybe he'll heal me too. Wait a second. That guy, God's using him. There's an anointing coming through him. Let, you, you, are you all with me? Jesus is like, there was an anointing on Elisha because he uses this phrase, in the days of Elisha. When there was an anointing, when there was a special something there, only one person reached out and touched it. And he goes, don't be like that. Don't be like that. Right? Now, um, I fully believe there are so many things available to us today that we are not entering into fully, okay? And you're going to have to be willing to be offended, so to speak, and get over it. You've got to be willing to push yourself beyond the limits of where you've been. In Elisha's day, the whole culture, again, was a culture of doubt and unbelief. And that's why they were not able to participate in the miracles. Everybody was saying the same thing. You know, um, oh, this person, and I bet they were going, oh, name and God, I can't believe God, you healed him and you won't heal me. I'm there if you open your eyes and go toward me. Y'all see what I'm saying? You, you can't only, I mean, prayer is what we need. God answers prayer. But then sometimes God will begin to open our eyes to things. And if you've got the wrong attitude towards something, you're not going to get blessed through it. Do y'all see what I, I mean, you better be careful about what you speak against and what you have an attitude against. Anyway, so um, as I was saying, I believe that there's a tremendous grace of God right now in the earth to grab hold of things that we are not grabbing hold of. I believe there's a time, I believe that, I already believe that there's a, um, a pouring out of the Spirit of God to refresh us. But, um, you know, people, people could look at the verses that I've shared today and go, oh, yes, that was in the days of old. Of course, people that are in the current always go, oh, yes, God did things in the past. But it's right now. See, the, the problem is Jesus like, you, the problem is you guys can see something that happened in the past. I'm here right now. And you can't, you are not going to be able to see it. Wake up, you see. Religious people, religious mindsets, church people often will look, well, God used to do that, but we can't see where God is right now. That's the issue. Amen? Anyway, um, you, you know, for those that might be thinking, yes, we don't have an Elijah. We don't have an Elisha. And Jesus isn't walking in the earth again like he was. That's true. But... I just want you to think of a few things here. First of all, John 16, 7, Jesus goes, it's to your benefit I go away. In other words, it's going to be better when I go away, not worse. It's going to be better. That's the plan. That's what it's going to be like. Because if I don't go away, the advocate, meaning the Holy Spirit, won't come. But if I go, I'm going to send him. He's just saying something powerful is going to happen when he goes up, similar to what happened when Elijah goes, went up as a foreshadowing. Right? He goes up, and guess what? The mantle of the Holy Ghost comes down on the whole body of Christ. Well, actually, yes, 
available, but then you must receive it. That's also all throughout Scripture, but I'm not going to get into that one today. I've shared it many times. John 14, 12, whoever believes in me, you're going to do the same works I've done, even greater things. That's the kind of stuff that's going to happen because I'm going to the Father. What's because I'm going to the Father mean? Remember, that means because the Holy Spirit's going to come down, right? The Holy Spirit's going to come down because of that Holy Spirit. We've got the gifts of the Holy Spirit that have been given us, right? The ascension gifts. Oh, boom, he goes up. He sends down gifts. He sends down the Holy Spirit. What are those gifts? Those gifts enable us to walk in the miraculous enabling of the Holy Spirit, to do things we cannot do of ourselves. There are certain things where we serve God with all of our natural talents, and God's into that. But God also gives us supernatural ability. We've categorized those, or the Bible does, into nine gifts, even though I believe it's more diverse than that. Those are like nine things there. that it, They're supernatural, amazing things given to us to do the ministry of Jesus. Amen. And I was going to get into this next week, but let me just mention, what if the body of Christ, which is diverse and has different things in it, what if we were all to rise up in what we're supposed to be doing? Because every member has a different part to meet the need. Do you realize that us acknowledging the members in the body acknowledging and recognizing God working in different people, highlighting that, honoring that, blessing that. It's not about how much money a person has. It's not about how smart somebody is, how beautiful they are. It's just about everybody's got a place in the body. What if we were to all recognize the different places that we have in this amazing body of Christ? Then the body would end up ministering to itself and you'd recognize how things are flowing and you'd recognize certain people have certain gifts that minister in a certain way and you'd be asking for prayer from those people. Would you not? Think about that. Y'all remember when, well, who was it? Lydia, I think, died. Anyway, this woman passed away. She was an amazing woman. Everybody was praying for her in the book of Acts. Oh, God, don't let her die. Oh, God, don't let her die. And then she died. And some of them there said the most audacious things. Hey, Peter's nearby. Let's go get him. What, what was it about Peter? Peter saw a lot of miracles happen in his life. He saw a lot of miracles happen. He had an anointing for miracles. Probably more so than John did and others. John had more of a revelation. Uh, revelatory gift working in his life. Do y'all realize that? You, you see? John had revelation coming all the time. Insights, revelation. Peter's like, even says, hey, you know, even that Paul, he says some things. I just don't get it. I just, I think some of those things are funny. But I mean, it's like some of the things Paul writes are difficult to understand. You know, Peter said that. But, um, but anyway, they go and get Peter. Peter's probably going, huh? What? Hey, there's a girl. She's dead. We want you to raise her from the dead. I mean, I could just imagine Peter going, oh, okay, they're looking to the gift that's, that they know works in Peter, right? They bring that part of the body of Christ. They recognize God's working in him. God's working. He's got a gift in that. 
Yes, they could have seen God do a miracle when they were praying. They could have done that for themselves. That happens many times, but it didn't happen that way that time. So what are they doing? They're going, okay, let's be creative here. Okay, look, wait a minute. Peter, he's got a, a gift for miracles. He sees them happen all the time. I see them happen sometimes. You see them happen sometimes. Peter sees them happen just all the time. Let's go get him. I bet Peter was surprised when they got him and said, come, you pray for this girl. I bet Peter was going, oh my. And guess what? He goes, he prays, the girl is raised up from the dead. Peter, I don't think he'd ever done that before. Probably never did that afterward. And it wasn't really his faith. Do y'all see what I mean? It wasn't his faith. It was these other people's faith who recognized where God's moving, how God's moving, and they stretched out and touched that even in the New Testament. And how many people today would go, oh, don't do things like that. You're looking to man. No, you're not. You're looking to the gift of God in man. Now, some people do get off into looking to people who are anointed, and they start highlighting that, right? But I'm telling you, if you're being used of God and God's really elevating you, I will tell you most of the time people that are being used of God like that have some of the most difficult things they have to go through in life. It's just the way it is. The most humbling thing. But that's in God's hand. Let God do what God wants to do. But we need to recognize what's happening in the body, the gifts in the body, the different way people are wired, uh, the way God has made people, and the way God has anointed people, and pull that in. Man, I would just love to see that. Man, I just, I'm looking forward to seeing that in this body. I'm looking forward to seeing apostles getting raised up here. Apostles means sent ones. You know, we could call them missionaries, apostles, actually. But anyway, uh, raising up apostles and church planters and pastors and teachers and evangelists. I just look forward to seeing that. It's not some glory something. I will tell you, if you're called of God to ever do something, there'll be a lot of pain doing it along the way. There's no question about that. Amen? But you just make it, I mean, there's no more wonderful thing to do than to, to see people's lives get touched. And there's no other option than to walk with God. When you're called of God, you just walk with God. Amen? You go where God leads you. <laughs> well, I just can't wait to see it. And I want to mention one other thing. We have access to the Holy Spirit today. Now, the Holy Spirit was given, but then what does God say? And it's spoken through Paul. Be continually filled with the Holy Ghost. You remember? They're, they were being filled all the time. From the very first day of Pentecost, boom, the Holy Spirit comes. They're filled. They all begin to speak in tongues. They'd never done that before. They all begin to speak in tongues. And from that time, they begin to prophesy. Miracles begin to explode. Jesus told them, don't you leave Jerusalem and start preaching the gospel till you get this power in your life. There's something about having the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our midst that makes all the difference in the world. We might be gifted. We might be called. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, man, everything begins to happen at a new level. People get healed at a new level. People's lives get changed at a new level. People get saved at a new level. Amen? Everything begins to change at a different level because the Holy Spirit is being poured out. Don't go out without it, Jesus said. That sounds like some commercial, but I don't, I don't want to. Anyway, I can't remember what it is, but it just sort of rang a bell there. Anyway, so think about even Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. He did no miracle until when? He was filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then under what he had, 
those received of, from under his anointing, under his grace, he sent people out that had faith in him under what he was doing in the earth. Anyway, he did that. His disciples, he said, don't go out until you get this power. They're praying, they're praying, boom, the Holy Spirit comes. Then they're persecuted. This is just a few days after Pentecost when that huge thing happened and they were speaking in tongues in front of everybody and the Pharisees were going, no, you can't be doing that. You know, but they, were, they didn't know, know what was going on. They were like, they were just amazing that day, right? God was definitely in charge that day. And then just a few days later, they're persecuted. Now, a lot of people, they just say, you know what? We need to move on. Sometimes God wants you to move on to the next place. But they're like, no, we're not supposed to move on. We're going to stay right here because this is what we're supposed to be doing right now. God, fill us with boldness in your Holy Spirit. You see, when they lay down their lives again, God's going, oh, yes. It says the Holy Spirit filled them again. They've already been filled. They needed to be filled again to keep going forward. They couldn't just live off of what they got on the day of Pentecost. They couldn't keep going forward on just what they got on the day of Pentecost, as big as it was. They kept, they go, God, we need your help, but we're not backing up. We don't feel like going forward. They might kill us, but you know what, God? We're asking you, help us. God, do something, help us. God sends the Holy Spirit again. Boom. They get what they need. And guess what? They see more miracles. They've got more power than before. The obstacle could have made them back up and have less, which is what happens to many groups. And they begin to just be practical Christians with practical Christianity, with a bunch of programs and a bunch of this. They could have just organized a little bit that they had and just, you know, waddled through the generations, right? But no, God, we're going forward. God, we're going to take ground. God, we're going, we want this power to continue. And if we die, we die. God goes, I like that. Boom, he sends the power. And I just love that. And then later, Paul, after all of these things, he's explaining, he goes, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It means it's supposed to be a normal thing. Let me just say something, church. I'm glad for those of you that come early. I can't wait till we just ends up being earlier and earlier because people want to be here and pray more and more. But you see, even when we come together, if we have an anointing that's there, the presence of the Holy Spirit, you, you know, if you're not accustomed to this, you might think that's sort of crazy. I know very, very well you can pray, you can worship, and you can bring the presence of the Holy Spirit there. That even happened in the Old Testament. How much more should it happen in the New Testament? We can pray. We can pull on the Spirit. We can be desiring of that. We ought to be yearning for that all the time in everything we do. We should want an encounter with God. We should recognize, God, we can't go forward if you don't strengthen us, if you don't empower us, if you don't fill us with your Holy Spirit. God, we are so dependent on you. Lord, we're not going to go backwards. We're not going to just settle where we are. Lord, we want to, we're willing to be pioneers. We're willing to lay down our lives. We're willing to suffer. That's going to be what it requires. But God, give us more of your Holy Spirit and you empower us to do it. If we would be that desperate and that would be our heart's cry, God would empower us. And I believe that's being established in the body of Christ again. Amen. And I'm looking forward to seeing this body right here grow and multiply. I can't wait till I've got so many people in my house 
that we have to open up these windows and have everybody sit outside. You know, hopefully the weather will be cool by then. Maybe we can have a room. We'll make the garage a room over there till we're looking for a building. You know, who knows? God's got all that in his mind. So let's get back here. Naaman is a Syrian. Remember this. He doesn't know much about God. He doesn't know right doctrines about God yet. He doesn't know all the testimonies of all the people. He hasn't heard these things. But somehow, in all of his fumbling around that you'll see in the story, and all his missteps, he went to where God was moving and he received his miracle. Y'all see that? Those of you that know the story, something started in him. It ignited something in him. He's wrestling with himself, but he keeps going in that direction because he, he's, there's a belief that God will help him and it's making him go in that direction. And he keeps going in that direction. He almost stops because he gets frustrated because it looks like God doesn't work. This stuff doesn't work. It's not going to happen. But then somehow the right person, we're going to learn about this. I think I might better stop because I'm like, I think I just went through my introduction. And if I start my message, I won't have time to finish. But you see what happened was Naaman went from this place where he didn't know anything to grabbing hold of this miracle. And how did he do that? He went to where God was. Do y'all see? He didn't do that initially, but he was trying to find where God was. Y'all remember he goes to the wrong place the first. And how many people in their search for God end up at the wrong place so many times? You know, around the wrong people that they think, well, they're Christians, or they know God, or they, or they ought to have the, but no, it's not true. Yeah, you see what I, and how many people give up? Oh, there's, they're a bunch of whatever. And then something else happened, you know, it's so interesting. But I just want to encourage you today to rise up wherever you are. Don't get this mindset. Oh, well, I've got right doctrines. Oh, I'm in a good church. Oh, I sing the right songs. God's like, there's more than that. He, you need to have an experience. You need to want to be where he is and go touch him wherever he is. You need to have that in your life. And you need to recognize not only that personally, but you need to recognize what God's doing in the earth, what he's doing through other people, what he's doing in the body of Christ. Who is raising up? Who to honor? You need to see that kind of thing. Amen? Amen. And we need to go in that direction. Man, what a great season we are living in. You know, I love this. Where God spoke in, in the earth. And you know, in Genesis, there was chaos, right? God spoke. Everything came together. <laughs> and then 
Some people believe he re-put the earth back together. Some people believe he put the earth together there. But not, within seven days, he, did, he, he brought that chaos, put it into order. You see, and I just see God getting ready to do that. It looks like there's chaos in the earth. It looks like there's chaos in the church. But to God, he loves a project like that. All he has to do is to begin to speak. The pieces begin to come into the right place. Everything uh, on the first day, the right thing's going to happen. On the second day, the right, just right in the process, God's going to bring everything together for what he's doing. I hope you're wanting to be a part of it. Well, let me pray for you today. I just want to believe for you. And uh, I'm hoping that in these days that your faith is increasing, that if you've had any areas of hopelessness um, or discouragement, that you put your faith and trust in God at a new level and that you be willing to trust God and just say, God, I give you everything. I believe you with everything that I am. I give you everything. God will hear your prayers. Just keep going where he is. Be willing to go through the obstacles and the disappointments just like everybody else that's ever touched God has had to do. Don't give up until you've touched God and gotten something from him. Amen. Amen. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for the testimony of your word. And I thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit does strengthen us with perseverance. And we can go forward and not give up. And we can keep plowing forward and not give up. And Lord, we thank you that your word teaches us. And where everything around us, every circumstance, even people are saying, oh, God doesn't do miracles anymore. Oh, God doesn't do mighty things anymore. Oh, you can't expect this to happen. God, we just listen to what Jesus said today. And God, it gives us hope. Father, we thank you for teaching us in this hour. We want to go forward. We don't want to sit where we've been. And I, I want to encourage you, if you've just been sitting in one place so long, you're not moving forward in faith, your life's not dramatically changing by God, that's just, that's not the way God meant for things to be. God's got something better for you than that. You need to ignite your faith. You need to believe God to go forward. You need to trust him. So Father, I just pray this right now in Jesus' name. Lord, for each person that's listening today to be blessed with strength from God, power to go forward, encouragement to go forward. And Lord, I thank you that whoever puts their trust in you and, not, and doesn't give up shall not be disappointed. God, we thank you for the days that are ahead. Thank you for the promises you put in many of our hearts. Thank you for the, the things that you're going to bring to pass for your namesake, for your glory, for your kingdom, and for those people that you love. Lord, we thank you for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.